0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS podcast. I'm your host Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. On this episode, I talk with Josh Hanum, the co-founder of Interact, a SaaS platform that makes it easier for businesses to create online quizzes you can create a quiz to engage with your online audience or use it to generate new sales leads. I originally interviewed Josh a couple of years ago where we discussed how he and his co-founders bootstrapped their company from zero to $15,000 in monthly recurring revenue in under 10 months. And they did that with zero outbound sales. It was all through content marketing. You can listen to the original interview on episodes 57 and 58. Since then, the co-founders have grown the business to over $40,000 in monthly recurring revenue. That's almost half a million dollars a year. So it seemed like a great time to invite him back and find out what they've been doing to keep growing. And the interesting thing is that the content marketing that worked so well for them when I interviewed Josh last time dried up. And they had to find another way to generate traffic because the content marketing just wasn't working for them anymore. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. Visit thesastoolkit.com to download your free copy and unlock faster growth for your SaaS business. That's thesastoolkit.com.
1: Josh, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah. Appreciate it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you're the second second person to have come back. Um, so, Oh, that's awesome. There should be a rare a, company. should be a trophy for that or something like that. I know, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's start with my uh, usual icebreaker. I want to figure out what gets you out of bed. Do Do you have a favorite quote or something you can share with us?
1: Yeah. My favorite quote is you underestimate what you can do in a year and you overestimate what you can do in a day or vice versa. And I just think it's so important because it just is the power of consistency, the power of getting up every day and kind of following your routines, your habits and kind of trusting the process and knowing that you can get where you want to go if you just focus on it for an extended period of time. And also it helps you not freak out so much when you have a bad day or let's say you don't want to get out of bed this day and you want to sleep in and that's okay as well. Love it. Uh, because it's, it's really about the long term.
0: Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with interact, uh, tell us a little bit more about the product. What does it do?
1: Yeah. So it's a platform for making quizzes. And when I say quizzes, it's probably what you think of at this point, where it's the stuff that's on Facebook that people are sharing all the time. You know, what kind of coffee drink are you? Which Disney princess are you? What kind of marketer are you? That kind of stuff. But it's also a lead generation platform. So our quizzes can be set up to where they capture contact information within the quiz. And then you can actually filter those contacts based on which quiz outcome they get, so their personality, or how they answer particular questions. So it's a way of doing filtering, as well as going out into the world and capturing you new contacts that you can then sell to.
0: So who is your target customer, and what problem are you trying to solve for them?
1: Yeah, so we work with a a huge variety of people. Uh, One in particular is in the retail space, so we do work with a lot of uh, people who sell actual products. And the problem that we're solving for them is that it's difficult to stand out on social media. You know, it's difficult to make something that is really interesting that people will click on instead of, you know, whatever Kardashian's article is next to your post. Um, So what we do is we help them to create quizzes. For example, what's your style personality or what type of jewelry fits you, that kind of thing. And then you put those out onto social media and then also on your website. And then people take those quizzes. And at the end of it, you can recommend products as well as capture an email so you can do follow-ups.
0: Now, when we spoke last time, I guess it was back in 2015, you'd You'd been in business for just over a year. And as I mentioned earlier, you guys have gone from zero to $15,000 MRR in, in under 10 months. One of the things that I remember about our conversation and the whole story of Interact was what you'd been doing with content marketing. Um, And there were a couple of things there. One was you, you often hear that, you know, content marketing takes a long time to get going, to start building up traffic and a following. And even getting to 15K monthly recurring revenue in 10 months is quite a feat with just content marketing. Usually it requires some kind of jump start, like, you know, doing outbound sales, which you guys weren't doing. The other thing I remember about our conversation was that you had written countless number of posts and nothing seemed to be working for, for a long time until you sort of crack the code with one particular article that you wrote. So let's just, you know, I don't want to kind of repeat the whole conversation that we had uh, back a couple of years ago, but for people who, who haven't heard that interview, just tell us a little bit about, you know, what happened and how you kind of came up with that one blog post that helped you kind of get the
1: breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. So the backstory on that was you know we we had no luck reaching out to people initially in terms of trying to get customers so we did we did do the traditional stuff of like you know reach out to your potential customers and see if you can get them on board as your beta users or whatever we didn't hear back from anyone so i started doing content and at first it was a lot of generic stuff you know i remember distinctly doing a 72 blog post ideas article that took me weeks and then i published it and it got a bunch of traffic but Nobody signed up for our product because you know it's a quiz product and blog posts. that's a completely different strategy. So that doesn't even make any sense. Um, I did the same thing for a long time. And it was actually around the 100th article that I finally had a realization that if I'm going to reach anybody who's actually going to buy our product, I've got to write stuff that's very particular to what we do. So I switched over to how to make quizzes as my theme, like how to make quizzes, how to make personality quizzes, how to make all sorts of different kinds of quizzes. And that article in particular, how to make a personality quiz, was the one that broke us through. And then I started to write articles that were similar to that. And that's the way in which we actually got all of our initial customers. And some of those initial customers were huge brands like the American Red Cross and Forbes and uh, Red Lobster, <laughs> like signed up because they read those things. So. It was that switch into a very niche market that ended up helping us break through.
0: How how do you keep going when you you said you've written a hundred articles and nothing seems to be working? Like, why didn't you just stop and try something else?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a couple of parts to that. The biggest part is that you have to make the focus not be on the success. The focus has to be on how do I get better at this thing that I'm working on. And you know, I've always been a curious person. I've always been somebody that likes to learn. And so for me to be learning something is really fascinating. And during that time I was learning about the world of blogging and content marketing and getting connected with you know people like Rand Fishkin from Moz and other folks in that genre. And that was super interesting to me. So that's the number one reason that I was hooked in. The number two reason that I was able to keep going was that I wasn't overly stressed financially because we were still doing some consulting work on the side. Um, part of that time I was in college, and then we did, you know, start getting some customers. So I think in order to keep going in the long run, when something's not, you know, taking off, you have to first really enjoy. The learning process. And second, be financially okay. Not like, you know, rolling in it or anything, but you have to be okay because I think it can be overly stressful if you're, if you're up against a wall trying to make money and also trying to learn something new, that's not a good situation. So you got to have those two things.
0: Okay. So let's kind of talk about what's been happening since then. So Couple of years later, you've gone from fifteen k MRR to forty thousand, over forty thousand uh, dollars. You're still bootstrapped, self-funded business. What What have you been doing in that time? And. Um, before we get into what worked, tell me about something that hasn't worked.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this one is, is a bit shameful uh, because, you know, I mentioned at the beginning we had reached out to people trying to directly go to our customers. And we got no responses. Um, for some reason, I thought that would be a good idea. Basically, what happened was um, we wrote those initial articles that actually worked. so the first ones that were getting customers about making personality quizzes and that kind of stuff. But then that started to dry up. it was there's It was such a niche that once I had written a hundred articles that were very specific to what we did, you know the fifty to one hundred got us basically nothing. Additional the first 50 were getting all the customers and the next 50 weren't reaching anybody new and so I was searching for what to do next and Landed right back on outbound sales and that did not work Uh, You know what we do with quizzes is something that's brand new to everyone We work with I have never spoken with somebody. That's like oh, I'm a quiz expert Um, you know, I know exactly what to do nobody and so, when you approach somebody cold and say, Hey, you can use a quiz for marketing, first you have to have this conversation about what the heck does that even mean? And you almost never get past that. If you do, then somebody up the chain in that company is going to be like, This is a dumb idea. And so, trying to introduce something through outbound sales is something that I have found for this company does not work. And I was, I was pretty stubborn about that. I'm a generally stubborn person, um, but that lasted like a year plus. And we actually hired and then had to let go four different people uh, on sales because I kept thinking that, oh, it's the people, it's the process, it's whatever. You know, we'll try it with a new person and a new process and this is going to work. So that, uh, you know, that's... I can't say it's typical. I guess it does happen in in startups from time to time, um, but that's that's something that did happen with us, and uh, it's it's not a great th- thing to look back on. It's kind of frustrating to to realize, you know, how much time and money and kind of emotional energy I was wasting trying to go back to this strategy that was never going to work and never did work. Uh, I don't know if it ever will for us, um, but yeah, that that did not work.
0: Did you think in the back of your mind that maybe sales was just like the content marketing that maybe after you'd done the hundredth post or the hundredth call or whatever that you'd get a breakthrough? Is that maybe one thing that kept you going for so long to to try and make this work?
1: Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Uh, the other part of it is that we did make a sale from time to time. Um, But the ROI was like vastly negative. Like, you'd spend 10 times as much money on people and tools as you would on what you actually made back. So, there was like some success, very, very little. And then also that aspect of, okay, well, I've done this with content marketing. Maybe it's just around the next corner, it's just around the next bend, and you just got to keep going with it. And there are times in business, just like with the content marketing, where that is absolutely true. And if you give up, halfway through, that's the same as never starting because you don't get anywhere in the first half. It's the second half that really breaks you through. And and that was part of what kept me trying at it. Um, but it was not the same scenario.
0: So why is it that sales didn't work? What do you think were some of the takeaways from you from that experience?
1: I can kind of speak to that from both sales that we ended up making and sales that we didn't make. Um, sales that we ended up making, the process would go essentially you hook one person in from an organization, and the way that happens is a very long conversation about how a quiz works for marketing, mainly focused on other companies in the same space as that target prospect uh, that are doing quizzes. So you have a very long conversation. Then they're like, oh, this is interesting. I'll pull in my colleagues. Then you have a very long conversation with the colleagues. So you do that. And then if you are going to make a sale, you have another very long conversation with the rest of the team and or technical people talking through how this works. And all of this is just about how it works. None of it is about how it actually benefits the organization. And so if somebody higher up didn't then veto it, you would make the sale. But all you've been talking about is how it works. You haven't even talked about how it's going to be used. So then you've got to jump into how it's going to be used. And you have another series of three or four calls. And the odds are that it never actually gets implemented. So that's kind of how it would go even if you made the sale. If you didn't make the sale, what would happen is you get on the phone with somebody that is like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what you're talking about with those quizzes. Like maybe I've seen those around. Usually not even that. Um and those conversations would really just be a questioning conversation of what do you mean by using quizzes for marketing? How does that connect with my systems? Where do I share it? How do I use this? And you'd go through that and uh, they would be intrigued by how that works, but in no world ready to plop down a credit card and buy it. So you were basically just spending all that time <laughs> educating somebody on a new idea, um, which they uh, then didn't want to buy.
0: What was your kind of ballpark lifetime customer value at the time?
1: Yeah, um, we had raised our prices up a little bit. So lifetime value is in the thousands. So reasonable for sales um, had, had the numbers worked out. like we were, we were in the LTV where you could afford to do outbound sales um, if it worked.
0: But it sounded like it was a very, it, it doesn't seem like it should have been such a lengthy process, right? Just just having to explain, like so many meetings, just to explain like what it does or how it works.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's and a it quiz. come on. It, yeah, it always got stuck there and you would get into the weeds and there's really no... Oh, coming back from that in my book, I think you can sell a solution, uh, but you can't necessarily sell an idea to somebody.
0: Okay. So you kind of kept going for about a year. I know you, 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 you call that the, the year of failed sales. Yeah. What, at what point did you decide enough was enough and you had to try something else?
1: Yeah. The point where that happened was actually when I took a break. I went on vacation right around this time last year. Um, I disconnected. I was in uh, Morocco. So I was in Northern Africa and there was really no reception anywhere. And it was also on the other side of the world. So, you know, the option of, of checking in on things was pretty much off the table. And so for a week or two, I was really forced to, to stop just trying to go after the same thing I was going after for so long and actually think about it from an outside perspective. And being in a different place is a great way to think about things from an outside perspective. So I did that. And towards the end of that time, I was, I was vacationing with my brother and his wife and we were all talking and it just kind of became very clear to me and also to them hearing all my stories that I was trying to do something that was not working. And for the first time, I actually addressed that head on. You know, I'm, I've always been the type to, you know, if something's not working, there's a solution. There's a way to fix this, right? Uh, but in this case, it came to a point where, no, there's actually no way to fix this. And not only that, but trying to continue doing the same thing is, is really dragging me down and it's not good for my psyche or my morale or, you know, the team, which was really small at the time still, um, it's not good for any of that. And so coming back, I cut it off. I I let go our, our salesperson we had at the time and didn't do anything immediately, but, um, that's kind of where it happened was taking that break and looking back and thinking, wow, you know, it's been over a year. We're not making any progress on this. It's not good for my creativity, my morale, any of those things. And, uh, something has to change. So that's where it kind of got, uh, sparked. sparked.
0: And then you went back to content marketing again, but you took a different approach this time. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so the way the way that uh, that came about, so I came back, right, and uh, first of all, we hired Jane, who is our head of operations now, and handed over all the day-to-day operations to her, so answering customer inquiries, doing demos, all that kind of stuff. So then I wasn't doing anything uh, day-to-day, and I had some time to think about what to do next, and I actually stumbled upon an article about Adidas and how Adidas does influencer marketing by sending shoes to thousands of people around the world every time they launch a new product. And those people are influencers who have a 1,000 plus followers on Instagram. And then they post the pictures of the shoes, and it's a huge driver of sales, like a massive amount, which I never thought about, but it makes total sense now. So I knew that, and then I also knew that these very, very specific articles about how to use quizzes for lead generation do super well if they're put in front of an audience. But Google doesn't have much of an audience to give because nobody knows about this idea, so they're not searching for it. But if we pair that with influencers, then maybe that will work. And that's what I did. I started reaching out to anybody in the marketing space, any sort of blogger, and offering them our tool, just like Adidas offers people's shoes. And in return, they would write an article That's basically exactly the same as the ones that I used to write that got us our first customers, but they post it on their blog and then it reaches a new audience. That's not just whoever's searching for it, It reaches people to follow them. And that worked. So basically the majority of our growth, I mean, last time we spoke, we were at about 15K. Now we're over 40. The majority of that growth has come in 2017. Uh, 2016 and the remainder of 2015. After we spoke, there was not much growth, and and most of it has come in the last 11 months.
0: Okay, great. So let's let's talk a little bit more about that. So the idea of in- influencer marketing is pretty straightforward. That you're you're reaching out to people who have their own audience or followers, and you're getting them to talk about your product in whatever way, right? Whether it's a blog post or podcast or whatever. So first question for you is how did you figure out who were the influencers that you were going to go after? Like there might be somebody who has a really popular blog, but none of their followers or audience are ever going to be interested in paying for a product that creates quizzes. Right. So did you, did you worry a, to, a lot about that and try to sort of figure out who were the right influences or was it just, let's just go out there and, and just get as many people on board as we can and sort of figure it out as we go along?
1: Yeah, right, right. That's a, a super good question because we actually did play around with this and we we tried reaching out to lots of different people travel bloggers food bloggers all that kind of stuff and what came up was the exact same problem that we had with doing sales so the the influencers that we actually work with and we target them very specifically now are people that are already trying the latest thing and they want to be on the cutting edge they want to be the one experimenting with a new tool with a new idea Um, and the way that we look for that is by you know looking at the other content they post or whether they're working with any you know of our partners so we have like technical partners who are email marketing programs and stuff like that so if these bloggers have already reviewed let's say ConvertKit that's a perfect connection for us to then partner with that person as well so it ended up being the same problem and it, it kind of reared its head again where if we reached out to a travel blogger They never heard of using quizzes for marketing, we're not going to convince them. Even even though they're a partner and they're getting the product for free, it still doesn't work, which is crazy. Um, You you, you can't even convince somebody to do something for free if they've never heard of it and they're not bought in. So we focus a lot on people that want to experiment with new things and get excited about that rather than needing to be convinced. And that's what we do. Got it.
0: And then once you um, had identified these people, how would you, how would you kind of uh, reach out to them and uh, just tell me a little bit about how the conversation would go?
1: We use a pretty standard email that we customize uh, to reach out to the bloggers. And it really asks about, you know, hey, we have this uh, partnership that we're offering. Uh, you get to use our tool. Uh, what we ask in return is that you do a blog post, but it's not required. You know, if you don't like the tool or it doesn't work out for you, no no problem. Uh, you can still use the tool. And so we kind of left it very, like, casual, you know. And the people that did respond, the conversations Mainly start with just discussing a quiz idea, uh, something that might work for their business because we want them to use it first so they can actually write about how they used it and what the process was like and all those types of things. So the conversation is very consultative. It's really about, you know, here's here's an idea that I have for your site and what we can do with it. Uh, let's talk about that. Let's get you set up. Let's get all this stuff running and then it becomes really easy if they get it set up and it actually works for them and they're getting their own list to grow. Then they'll obviously write about it and talk about the whole process and, and all that stuff. So um, that's pretty much how we do it.
0: Did you, did you kind of like lay out any requirements in terms of what you expected people to kind of produce in terms of coverage for it, in terms of how long a blog post should be or what kind of format or did, did that matter much to you at the time?
1: Um, we don't require anything. We, we rather kind of give examples. So at first I was giving examples of my own articles and saying, Hey, this is kind of what I'm looking for. And then now, since we have, you know, several hundred of these blog posts floating around there from our partners, we'll just reference a few of those and say, Hey, this is kind of what we're looking for. Just, just so you know what to expect. This is what we, we, we expect from our end. So that is kind of the way we go about it.
0: Are you an entrepreneur looking to buy a profitable online business or a founder ready to sell? Bupos is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses. With their exclusive listings, as well as listings from other marketplaces, and the option to submit your own deal for approval, Bupos has you covered. Plus, they're the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers of recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding without personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash BUPOS. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to start your entrepreneurial journey or sell your business at the right valuation with BUPOS.com. Did you give these uh, influencers, did you put them on some sort of affiliate program or were they just really just recommending the product based on the experience of using it or was it both
1: uh it's both we have an affiliate program it's optional so some people don't even opt to use it you know if they don't feel like it's the perfect fit for their audience, they'll just do the post. And then it's just, it's just a blog post about using quizzes. Uh, others will use the affiliate program and they'll have a link that's in there. That's in a, a promoted link. Um, and they'll link from that when they do their blog post. So it's really optional. I'd say it's like 50, 50, like half of them use the affiliate link. The other half, uh, you know, don't bother.
0: And, and how long would you give them the product for free? Like, like if somebody wrote a blog post, did they have it for forever?
1: Yeah, yes, they do. They do have access uh, to it forever. And then they become part of our insiders network as well. So part of what we always have to work on is making our product more uh, explanatory, because as we reach more people, we're getting even more people who have never heard of quizzes using it. Um, So it's a very interesting world in that as we grow we're reaching more people, but they all are doing this for the first time. So those partners help us create our product in a way that's much more um, in line with somebody who's never done quizzes before because our team can no longer understand that. We can't go back because we've done so many of them at this point. We can't can't even fathom what it's like to be doing it for the first time. So we use that network as a way of improving our own user experience.
0: And I guess it's not just about Getting them to write a blog post, it's probably more important to develop a relationship because then as you continue to evolve the product and they, you know release new features and things like that, you can keep going back to these people. And then there's, there's always additional opportunities for them to go back to their audiences and tell them more about the product.
1: Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the referrals that come in are not even from the blog posts. They're actually people talking to each other. They'll be, you know, in a mastermind group or they'll be meeting in person, and that's what actually prompts the, you know, the other person to to give it a try. So, that's that's kind of the long game is that we've got, you know, now thousands of people out there who are advocates, and every time they're talking with other marketing people, you know, and they get into different subjects of what they're doing, the quizzes come up, and then we get recommended. So it is a very long game.
0: What type of objections did you get from people when you were trying to get them on board to to look at the product, promote the product? What were some of the the typical um, sort of pushback that you got?
1: Yeah, the biggest one we get, and we still get it, is that this is just not a fit for my audience, which is very interesting because the quizzes are on Facebook all the time, and I think there's a a mental disconnect between the fact that everybody takes quizzes and my audience won't like quizzes, which are, uh, you know, that those are mu- not mutually exclusive. Um, so you can do both. It's it's very interesting that. Uh, a lot of website owners and bloggers and marketers somehow think that their audience is not something that would like taking quizzes. But I talk to so many people about quizzes, and they're like, "Oh well, uh, you know, I don't tell people this, but I take those quizzes online." I'm like, "I know everybody mm-hmm. does," and uh, so I think there's still a, a, I'd call it maybe a stigma. I would call it a resistance in some sense, of of marketers and people who run blogs and websites not getting the quiz is not some gimmicky thing, but it's rather entertainment marketing. And entertainment marketing is something that works. It works really, really well, and it's much cheaper than traditional marketing, Um, but there's still still a stigma there. So over time, that's already starting to dissipate, but it's something that takes a very long time to develop.
0: Now, another thing that helped you to grow the product was actually focusing more on the product and the user experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so what we do, and it's uh, not something that most people do, and it's very painstaking, is we will do the same thing where we offer somebody to use our product for free. But the catch is we have to be able to do a screen share the first time you use it, and we will watch you Uh, and talk to you, obviously, (laughs) as you're going through the process. And these calls can be up to two and a half hours long. And I still do them myself. Uh, Other people on my team do them as well. And we watch people as they go through the process. Where are they getting stuck? What's difficult? Which parts do they understand well? Which things can they not find? All that kind of stuff. And we pair that with an internal dashboard that we have that tracks how people are progressing through our app and where they get stuck on average, all those types of things. And we use those two things in conjunction, the anecdotal, where we're watching people, and the overall, where we see the statistics, to incrementally improve the user experience of our app. Because we have all the features that people need. We've got all the customization, all that kind of stuff. Our issue is that people still have never done this before. And that's not changed. When we started, nobody had ever done this before. Even now, nobody's ever done this before. But there's just a lot more people now. So it's very difficult to kind of take something that's brand new and explain it to everybody individually. And so that's where we do a, just a ton of time talking with people, watching the experience, and then improving it.
0: How, how do you get these people on board? Like, where do you find them?
1: Um, all over the internet. <laughs> you know, bloggers, uh, different uh, retail brands, all that kind of stuff. And we just approach them uh, kind of doing this offer uh, similar to our partner offer, but it's uh, in return for kind of a user experience study. Uh, They'll get to be able to use the tool.
0: And how do you, what, is there a particular tool that you use to, to watch them or do you just screen share over Skype or how do you do it?
1: Uh, yeah, we use join me most of the time. Um, that way we can switch it over and then also record the session if they're okay with it. And then our whole team can go back and watch those. It's almost like a a basketball team watching film. We're watching people use our site and and seeing where we can improve. Um, so yeah, we just use join me.
0: So it's kind of like, you know, building your own sort of usability lab and, and kind of recruiting these people and, and watching them. Now, a lot of people probably wouldn't do that, right? They might kind of go down a different route, which would be, let's get the team together, sit in a room without any customers and figure out how to improve the product. And and I'm not knocking that because I've done that, you know, a mm. lot, right? Mm. Um, and then the other thing would be to maybe figure out, okay, what are... What are the tracking tools and sort of analytics and, and click tracking and all of those things that we can build into the product, which is going to help us figure out how people are using it, where they're getting stuck, etc. But it seems to me what you're doing is kind of a much simpler way to solve that problem. Let's just find customers. Let's just sit with them even if it's virtually and let's figure out, you know, how easy or hard it is to use our product.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we've done both of those other things. And I think over the last few months in particular, I feel I've been kind of smacked in the face by how the best word I can come up with is dumb in terms of my ability to communicate with people who have not used our product before. And I think my team is in the same place because we are so entrenched in building it, we're so entrenched in the logistics of it and how to make it the most efficient as possible so we can handle a bunch of users that we completely forgot how to translate that over to somebody who's experiencing this thing for the very first time. And so at this point, I actually don't even, I stop myself from making any plans or talking with any of my team members unless it is immediately following or during or just before a call with a customer where we're actually talking through and watching them use it because we are so bad at going back into that headspace of doing this for the first time. And anything we do on our own is going to be counterintuitive to the way that it should be set up because we're not thinking about it as a first-time uh, quiz builder and a first-time user. We're thinking about it as somebody who's done this a bunch of times and understands all of the ins and outs and is just trying to do it as quickly as possible. So we we have to actively not do either of those first two things.
0: So give me give me one example of something in the user experience that none of you guys, nobody in your team... Had figured out was an issue, but when you talk to a customer, it was like blindingly obvious that there was a problem there.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's one that's a bit embarrassing at this point. So, oh good, when you jump into our build, <laughs> yeah, when when you jump into our builder the first time. Uh, It presents you with the first page of the quiz, which makes decent sense. I mean, there there needs to be some more explanation on there, but people get that for the most part. It's like, okay, this is the cover of the quiz. I should put in the title and, you know, an image and that kind of stuff. But then there's no button for what to do next. (laughs) And there's a sidebar menu, which we've done this so many times. We're like, oh, yeah, well, then you go to the results. But there's no button that says to do that. And I was sitting on implementation calls and people would get through the first screen and be like, all right, now what? And I'm like, wow, I feel like such an idiot right now. Like there's, unless you've been in here before, why would you know to go to that sidebar and click on, you know, a different part of it and go to the the next thing? Like you got to have some sort of prompt that says, all right, you're done, move on to the next step. So that is one in particular that's, uh, you know, pretty bad looking back on it Um, but you know it's just one of those things that you don't think about when you've done it thousands of times yourself you just run through the process without even uh, taking a second to stop
0: so that's one thing I really like about you Josh is that you look at these situations these problems with the user experience or whatever and you kind of say to yourself I'm the one who's stupid I'm the one who should have figured this out and and you know done it better or differently whereas it's a lot easier and i've seen a lot of people do this when there's a problem with the product no no no. the user is stupid because they should be able to figure this out so let's get a smarter user in there um so i yeah I, i i just think that's that's a great trait to have in any person or any especially any kind of leader in any kind of organization um and the other thing that I really like about you is your transparency and the fact that you're, you come and you're willing to talk and spend just as much time about the things that didn't work, the things that you failed on as, as much as the things that worked and were successful. And you had said to me, well, the transparency, there are kind of good sides to being transparent. And there are also some downsides to that. So I want to kind of talk a little bit about
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, first on the upside, I think it does get us some exposure. It's kind of negligible on on how much that actually translates to customers. But the bigger thing is that I always think of a younger version of myself. And it's funny because I actually have brothers who are 10 years younger than me. So they kind of are a younger version of myself. And I just wish somebody had been more open about the actual experience of starting and running a company and what to do when you run into problems and what to do when you're having a hard time with it because there's so many shows and things about success and everybody's just flaunting how great they are and they never talk about the realities of it and the day-to-day and what that looks like and so it's been amazing you know I've gotten a, a good number of notes from people at this point just kind of saying thank you for for being open about stuff. And that's, that means a lot to me because if, if I had had somebody that was a bit more transparent as I was kind of going through the process for the first time, I think I could have saved a good amount of pain in doing things the wrong way or agonizing over things that weren't actually important, that kind of stuff. So that's why I do it. The, the, drawback is that i do share everything and i don't i don't really hold back on anything you know i'm actually talking about the real issues that we're facing and the real problems that we're solving and how we're solving them and we're also very open that with that on our blog writing blog posts and sharing screenshots of our product and how to set certain things up and what the negative side of that is is that you will get competitors who then take all of that and reconstruct your product. And this has happened to us two times in the last 14 months, where we've had agencies slash influencers take what we've done, replicate it, and then sell it to their audience. You know, and they've already got an audience built in, either as an agency or as an influencer. And they have gone as far as using screenshots of our product, both on their blog and in their marketing materials. And wait, it's not this even, was
0: this was an actual screenshot of Interact.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually of Interact. Wow, <laughs> on their on their websites as examples of how to do whatever it is they were talking about how to do, and it's it's insane. It's it's something that. That I would never do. You know, it's it's just it's cheating. Uh, and and but this and
0: this isn't some teenager sitting in a bedroom saying, "Yeah, th- I can build that," so I'm just going to go and build it and copy some stuff. These are people who are influencers who uh, who running businesses, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. The the two in particular are are real businesses. At this point, they both have probably more employees than we do, um, and it's just funny. You know, in our Slack channel, we will share these screenshots of their product using our exact stuff. Like for example, we we built this whole analytics system, and Connor, one of our engineers, made it from scratch. Like he was like, oh, these colors would look good, and I'll I'll make the graphs like this, and all that stuff. And then we, uh, we saw a presentation video from one of these competitors with the exact same analytics. And this is something that he just made up. It's not like he was using some boilerplate analytics system. Like he created it and it's actually not that great. We're redoing it right now because it's not intuitive. But <laughs> this other company had used it verbatim without changing a single thing. So that's the kind of stuff that ends up happening when you're open with what you're doing.
0: Does that make you want to hold back with what you share?
1: No, I think if I've learned anything is that you are really just competing against yourself. You know, our our biggest challenge right now is making our product easier to understand. It's not that, you know, somebody is comparing us head to head against the competitor and we keep losing out. It's that when somebody comes on and if they don't know what to do every step of the way, they're going to get confused and, and decide it's not worth their time. So I always feel as if it's always a battle against yourself to keep getting better and keep improving both your product and your marketing strategy and your onboarding strategy, all of those things, rather than, oh, we got to make sure you know nobody is doing the same stuff as us. Now, the one thing I do kind of wish for was that We had a real competitor, and by that I mean somebody who was kind of figuring out what to do next because what tends to happen at least the last couple of years is we'll kind of agonize over a problem, come up with a solution, implement it, and then two months later all of our competitors are doing the same thing. And it would be really cool if we had somebody that we were kind of going back and forth with where they solve one problem then we kind of build our own version of it. We solve a problem, they build a version of it. And, you know, we had somebody to kind of truly compete with where you're both getting better, whereas what's happening now is they take whatever we have and then they put some marketing behind it and, you know, go out and sell it rather than actually trying to solve the problems on their own.
0: I, I, I wonder, I mean, what is the best way to deal with that? I mean, I think it's a great attitude to have in terms of what you said, you're just competing against yourself. And in many ways, I think you have to, you know, ignore some of this stuff that's going on if there aren't other means available, whether it's legal or whatever, to to try and address those.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the best way to win out in the end is just to not, not ever be able to be defeated. You know, if, if somebody is never going to give up, then you can't beat them, right? So I think that's kind of the stance that I've taken is that we can keep improving, we can keep getting better. And so it really doesn't matter. And we've already seen competitors come and go. You know, they've they've come, copied all our stuff, and then ended up failing. And we've been around for just over four years in total, and, and that's already happened in, in that amount of time. So I expect it to continue happening, where as we keep improving and getting better, whereas other folks are just kind of staying the same, we will we will keep moving forward, and we will find new success and new paths and kind of forge our own path as we go. And in that sense, it doesn't matter who's copying, what and what competitor is doing, which thing, because if we keep moving forward, we will keep growing, yeah
0: and it's not it's a good lesson, and it's it's just not about the product, right? there's anyone can look at a product and say, Wow, those guys are making money. I'm going to build this cuz I I can. But just because you can build a product doesn't mean you can build a business or a successful business.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's so much to it and, you know, you can't just put together a great marketing campaign and get people to buy something and expect that to be a real business. You know, a business lasts over time. There's ups and downs. There's ebbs and flows. There are big problems to be solved. And if you're not actually solving problems and you're not practicing solving problems, and by practice, I mean doing it and then getting feedback on it, which is exactly what you do when you are building a product for customers, then you're not actually getting better at any of those things. And so when the the tides turn and all of a sudden your marketing campaign stops working, you don't know what to do because you've never figured it out before. And so that's where I don't mind as much. Obviously it's irksome when we lose somebody to <laughs> a competitor that has the same product as us because it is. Uh, but at the same time, if we keep practicing ourselves at getting better on user experience and marketing and sales and onboarding and product, then we'll be okay. We'll, we'll make it through and uh, we will have learned a heck of a lot along the way rather than just kind of ripping off something and and making a quick buck.
0: That's that's a great way to think about it. All right, let's get on to the lightning round. I'm going to ask, you, well, you know the drill, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Best piece of advice is to take a beat.
1: Everything always seems like the end of the world, but nothing is because the world's still here. So take a beat when something is really rough and take a second to think it over. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Yeah, so hopefully I won't say the same one I said last time, but it's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think it's got great life advice in terms of networking and marketing and just connecting with others, which is the most important part of business.
0: Yep. That's a classic. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful
1: entrepreneur? Persistence. I think if I ever get a tattoo, which I'm thinking about, then it will be the word persist because there's so many times when you just have to kind of keep going and that's the key.
0: Dude, you are the poster child for persistence with your stories (laughs) of a hundred blog posts and the year of failed sales. Yep. Yep. (laughs) What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to cheat and it's neither. Well, I guess it's habit, so that's not cheating. Uh, it is prayer. I'm a Christian guy. And so it's it, meditation is the similar thing. Uh, prayer meditation is really what grounds me.
0: And is you do that every day?
1: Every day, right after I wake up.
0: Sweet. Uh, what's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I want to open a pizza sh- shop and also a gym. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Those are two of my favorite things. So <laughs> a pizza shop and uh, a gym, because you got to have the gym for being in shape. You got to have the pizza because it's delicious.
0: <laughs> uh, what's an
1: interesting or fun
0: fact about you that most people don't know?
1: Uh, interesting fact, I run a thousand miles a year, which is uh, quite a lot. Wow. Yeah.
0: Is is that just like, do you you run in races or events or it's just, you just, it's just builds up from daily, weekly running.
1: Yeah. Daily, weekly running, you know, four or five miles a day, um, on most weekdays. And it just, it just adds up, you know, you get to a hundred, 120 miles a month and, uh, just kind of turns into a, a thousand miles a year.
0: Wow. And finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work, apart from pizza?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I would say there's a couple of things. Uh, Being outside, which is just kind of being in nature. Uh, And then also that's connected to my other one, which is just my faith. That's awesome.
0: You know, I think the the nature thing, I've talked to a few people about this and it's not something that a lot of people talk about. But I, I was never into nature, right? I just, but for the last few years, it's something that I do a lot more. And I find that the more I get away from technology and spend more time just in the outdoors, the more better I think and the better ideas I come up with.
1: Yeah, I, t- I totally agree.
0: And I think there's some science behind there somewhere.
1: There's got to be, there's got to be. I mean, it's, it's just so, it's so clearing of the head to be in a space where there's so much beautiful stuff around and you're not around technology, you're offline, that kind of thing. Um, I, I love it. Now, one thing
0: we're going to have to do, well, first of all, I think you, you have a great story and I love how we've been able to pick up from the conversation we had a couple of years ago and you've you know come back and helped us to you know continue to see the ups and downs that you've had but the you know how how in the the long term you're you're continuing to make great progress and continue to grow the business and i think based on what i've seen with this business and and what i've learned about you i know i'm i'm confident that that is going to continue to happen so uh, I think we should agree now to set a date for when, when you guys hit a million dollars
1: a year. Let's have you that back. Sounds, that sounds good. I love it. That would be a great, great,
0: you know, time for us to have a follow-up conversation and yeah. and see, you know, uh, what's been going on. Um, now, if uh, people want to check out Interact, they can go to tryinteract.com. Mm -hmm. and if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, so I am on all the socials, so Twitter, at Jay Hanum. I'm on LinkedIn. You can search for Josh Hanum. I'm the only Josh Hanum in the world, so you will find me. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, those those are the main ones, I guess.
0: Awesome. Josh, thanks again. I wish you all the best, and uh, look forward to having that conversation when you hit the big one. Yeah, thanks again. (laughs) Yeah, thanks Thanks, for having me back. Cheers. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash BUPOS. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next venture. Are you still wrestling with rigid spreadsheets that slow down your team?